Welcome to Bible Chapter Every Day. I'm Matthew. Our chapter today is Acts, chapter 16. Let's ask God to bless our time today. Heavenly Father, as we read this chapter, we pray that we would understand and that we would be willing to sacrifice our rights ourselves for you, that others would see Jesus. We pray this through Jesus. Amen. Acts 16. And he came also to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a believing Jewish woman, but of a Greek father, who was well spoken of by the brothers in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this one to go with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was Greek. And as they went through the towns, they passed on to them to observe the rules that had been decided by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were growing in number every day. And they traveled through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been prevented by the Holy Spirit from speaking the message in Asia. And when they came to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. So going through Mysia, they went down to Troas, And a vision appeared to Paul during the night. A certain Macedonian man was standing there and imploring him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen the vision, we wanted at once to go away to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to proclaim the good news to them. So putting out to sea from Troas, we sailed a straight course to Samothrace, and on the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is a leading city of that district of Macedonia, a Roman colony, and we were staying in this city for some days. And on the day of the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate beside the river, where we thought there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the women assembled there. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a merchant dealing in purple cloth, who showed reverence for God, was listening. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household, she urged us, saying, If you consider me to be a believer in the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. And it happened that as we were going to the place of prayer, a certain female slave who had a spirit of divination met us, who was bringing a large profit to her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, and was crying out, saying, These men are slaves of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. And she was doing this for many days. But Paul, becoming greatly annoyed, and turning around, said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out immediately. But when her owners saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the chief magistrates, they said, These men are throwing our city into confusion, being Jews, and are proclaiming customs that are not permitted for us to accept or to practice, because we are Romans. And the crowd joined in attacking them, and the chief magistrates tore off their clothing and gave orders to beat them with rods. And after they had inflicted many blows on them, they threw them into prison, giving orders to the jailer to guard them securely. Having received such an order, He put them in the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately after, the doors were opened, 
and all the bonds were unfastened. And after the jailer was awake and saw the doors of the prison open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called out with a loud voice, saying, Do no harm to yourself, for we are all here. And demanding lights, he rushed in, and beginning to tremble, fell down at the feet of Paul and Silas. And he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do so that I can be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the message of the Lord to him, together with all those in his house. And he took them that very hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he himself was baptized at once, and all those of his household. And he brought them up into his house and set a meal before them, and rejoiced greatly that he had believed in God with his whole household. And when it was day, the chief magistrate sent the police officers, saying, Release those men. And the jailer reported these words to Paul. The chief magistrates have sent an order that you should be released, so come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, They beat us in public without due process, men who are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison, and now they are wanting to release us secretly? Certainly not. Rather, let them come themselves and bring us out. So the police officers reported these words to the chief magistrates, and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. And they came and apologized to them, and after they brought them out, they asked them to depart from the city. And when they came out of the prison, they went to Lydia, and when they saw them, they encouraged the brothers and departed. Well, that's the reading. Let's dig in. At the end of chapter 15, Barnabas took John Mark and went to Cyprus to visit the churches they had started on their first trip. Paul took Silas and went over land to visit those churches. Paul meets Timothy, it appears, in Lystra, and circumcises him. That may seem strange, because in the last chapter, there was a big disagreement about circumcision, and Paul was arguing that Gentiles didn't need to be circumcised, and the church in Jerusalem had discussed the matter and came to the same conclusion. But we have to understand that Timothy's mother was a Jew, so Timothy was considered a Jew because of this. Paul was not against Jews being circumcised, and in fact, Paul thinks that Timothy will be more effective in preaching if he has been circumcised. So, Paul circumcises him. After they had met with all of the churches in the area, they start looking for a new place to preach. But the Holy Spirit doesn't allow them to go south or north, so they keep going west. Luke doesn't specify how the Holy Spirit was communicating this. They make it as far as Troas, which is as far west as you could go without a boat. And then Paul got a vision of a Macedonian man saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. So they get into a boat and head to Macedonia. The words that Luke uses change in verse 10 from they to we. So apparently Luke joins them in Troas and crosses over to Macedonia with them. Whenever Luke is with Paul, the description of sea voyages are much more detailed. He tells exactly how many days it takes to sail and uses terms like sailed a straight course. Apparently Luke loved sailing. They go inland from the port of Samothrace to the city of Philippi. Being a Roman colony was a major benefit. If you were born in Philippi, you would be a Roman citizen. It would have a good population of retired Roman soldiers, so it would be very patriotic to Rome. It seems that there was no Jewish synagogue because they go to the river on the Sabbath instead of to a synagogue. They spoke to the women assembled there, and Lydia is mentioned as the first one to be baptized. Interestingly, Paul saw a vision of a man of Macedonia, 
and their first convert in Macedonia is not from the area. She's from the area that the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them to go preach, and she was a woman. Lydia is apparently not a Jew, as she is described as one who showed reverence for God. She invites Paul and the whole group, which would have been at least four men, to stay in her house. Since she is not a Jew, this would have been an issue for a typical Jew, but Paul understands that she is saved by God's grace, just like he is, so they stay at her house. I presume that some time passes and other people are converted before the next story takes place. A slave starts following Paul and Silas around shouting, These men are slaves of the Most High God who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. This annoys Paul, so he commands the demon to leave the slave. The problem is that the demon was making the slave tell people's fortunes, which made a nice profit for the owners. Owners is plural, so it seems that they have a business venture around her fortune-telling. So, the profits must have been very good. With the demon gone, the profits will plummet. The owners cannot sue Paul and Silas for their lost profits, but they want to get revenge, so they charge Paul and Silas as being anti-Roman in their preaching. As a side note, Luke doesn't say that the demon was giving the slave woman actual knowledge of the future. I don't know if the demon had extra knowledge of secret things going on behind closed doors around the town, or it was just able to say things that people would hear and they were kind of generic so that they would sound like it was telling the future, just like fortune tellers today. In any case, people loved to get their fortune told and it made a lot of money. So back to Paul and Silas, the crowd is stirred up and the... Officials are told that they're anti-Roman, so they have them beaten and thrown into prison. Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns around midnight, probably because it was impossible to sleep with their wounds and the uncomfortable position in the stocks. Then there was an earthquake that opens all the doors and unlocks all of the chains. The jailer is ready to kill himself. Throughout most of history, the punishment for letting a prisoner go was to receive the punishment yourself. So he figured the prisoners had escaped and that he would be better off dead. Paul tells him that no one has escaped. Apparently the other prisoners were taking orders from Paul now so that none escaped. I assume they all understood that this was the working of God. So the jailer asked them what he must do to be saved. He must also realize that this is from God and that he is in trouble for locking Paul and Silas in the stocks. But perhaps he also understands his sin in general. Sometimes it takes a traumatic event in our lives to turn us to God. Paul and Silas are quick to preach Jesus to the jailer and his household. The household would include the slaves in the house. The jailer washes their wounds, which indicates repentance, and he's baptized at once, and then he feeds them. The whole household rejoices. The next day, the magistrates order Paul and Silas released. Paul refuses because what they had done was illegal, because Paul is a Roman citizen. So it turns out that the ones being anti-Roman turn out to be the magistrates, not Paul and Silas. The magistrates are afraid and beg Paul and Silas to leave the city, which they do after they meet with the Christians. And now for a deeper dive. We should talk about standing for our rights. I'm an American citizen, which is the modern equivalent of a Roman citizen in Paul's day. As an American citizen, I can get a passport and visa to travel to almost any country in the world. Citizens of many other countries cannot do that. 
There is a large number of people at the southern border of the U.S. who are willing to do extreme things just to get into the country where they will not be considered citizens. As a U.S. citizen, I have lots of rights, such as a right to a fair trial. If I think that the trial was not fair, I can appeal the verdict. With all of these rights and privileges, I could become proud and stand on my rights. In fact, standing up for yourself is praised in America. But Paul circumcised Timothy. Timothy did not need to be circumcised to be saved. He was already saved. But by not standing on his rights, Timothy could be a more effective evangelist. So he accepted it. Paul and Silas don't shout about their rights as Roman citizens when they are being beaten or when they are thrown in the stocks. They are praying and singing to God. So why does Paul bring out these rights when they are finally being released? Is Paul trying to get revenge on the magistrates? It seems that he was not because there is no mention of him threatening them or sending letters to Rome about the way they were treated. So what is Paul doing? The best guess is that he was trying to change the attitude of the magistrates toward Christians in general, so that the Christians who are left in Philippi will not be seen as anti-Roman. He's using his right not for himself, but for others. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.19, For although I am free from all people, I have enslaved myself to all, in order that I may gain more. I have become like a Jew to the Jews, in order that I may gain the Jews. To those under the law I became as under the law, although I myself am not under the law, in order that I may gain those under the law. To those outside the law I became as outside the law, although I am not outside the law of God, but subject to the law of Christ, in order that I may gain those outside the law. To the weak I became weak, in order that I may gain the weak. I have become all things to all people, in order that by all means I may save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, in order that I may become a participant with it. Is that how we use our rights? Scripture quotations are from the Lexham English Bible, copyright 2012, Logos Bible Software. Lexham is a registered trademark of Logos Bible Software.